0: Welcome to LifePoint Plus, a program dealing with marriages and family. We are so glad you're listening. Here's your host, pastor and teacher, Gary Moore. Welcome to LifePoint Plus. I'm your host, Gary Moore. Well, we're continuing in our study of Drs. Cloud and Townsend's book, Boundaries in Marriage. We're in the general topic of it taking two complete people before you can be one. We ended last week by talking about allowing each other the freedom to be different. What do a couple do when they differ? It all depends on how separate they are. Whether or not they can get to oneness will depend on how okay it is to have two opinions, moods, tastes, or needs in the relationship at once. In a good marriage, spouses value each other's differences and treat them with respect. They understand each other, listen, reason, compromise, and give up their own wishes sometimes. Because twoness exists, oneness can develop. In a marriage in which the individuals aren't allowed to be different, things don't go as well. Husbands and wives judge each other as bad for the preferences each one has. Or they take the difference as a personal affront or a lack of love. Differences are not bad, they are part of the stuff out of which love grows. The ability to tolerate your spouse's differences is an important aspect of boundaries in marriage. Another part of the you-are-not-me idea is the ability to see another person for who they are apart from what we want or need from them, and to love and appreciate that person for who they are. To cherish someone's existence apart from you and apart from what you get from that person is one of the aspects of love. It requires very good boundaries, the ability to see the other person as distinct and separate from you, a person in their own right with value and wonderful things about them that have nothing to do with gratifying you in any way other than pure appreciation. This is the joy of just knowing a person. This neat aspect of love is one of the ones that gives the most pleasure as couples grow together. Doctors Cloud and Townsend remind us that freedom is a prerequisite of love. If someone controls us, love is not possible. Control results in slavery, not love. The ability for each partner to allow the other to be a free, separate person is one of the hallmarks of a solid relationship. Proverbs 31 gives us a great picture. It describes a woman who has lots of activities of her own going on apart from her husband, while he has the same She is out buying and selling, and he is sitting with his colleagues and praising her. They are both exhibiting their own separateness, yet they are deeply connected. This balance of being deeply connected as well as free-to-be individuals is one of the most important aspects of completeness. It allows the development and growth of the individual partners as well as the marriage. But many people struggle with allowing each other to be free. They operate on the philosophy of the old bumper sticker. If you love someone, set them free. If they love you, they will return. And if they don't, hunt them down and kill them. Well, freedom is okay until it displeases us in some way. A good marriage among two complete people is one in which they keep their individuality in space, and this actually serves to strengthen their relationship. After they've been apart, they come together and share each partner's experience. Relishing these experiences with each other adds to intimacy. The problem marriage is one in which one partner sees time apart, separateness, and space as a threat. This spouse may feel that separateness means a lack of love or abandonment. They can only feel loved when they are with the other person. Note, there is a certain amount of separateness that is a good or bad for all couples. In your relationship, the amount has to be negotiated with wisdom so that the we does not suffer. There is no absolute. But couples who have a fundamental orientation toward freedom, the ones who do not see separateness as a threat, are able to work out those details. Freedom is the scariest of all human privileges. Adam and Eve use their freedom destructively to sin against God. In the same way, we can use freedom against each other. As Paul warns in Galatians 5, 13, and 14, You, my brothers, were called to be free. But do not use your freedom to indulge the sinful nature. Rather, serve one another in love. The entire law is summed up in a single command. Love your neighbor as yourself. The call to relationship with God and each other is a call to freedom. But that freedom is not to be used to gratify self-centeredness. Some spouses use their freedom to indulge their own desires at the expense of the marriage. Check out the refreshment bar at a local golf course and you'll get an idea of how many golfing widows there are as their husbands spend most of their waking hours with the guys. Wives of hunters and fishermen know this scenario as well as do husbands of overcommitted wives. This misuse of freedom is selfish and does not serve anyone's growth and development, much less the growth of the marriage. Anyone can get selfish and fall back into inborn egocentricity. The Bible offers the best solution for that danger. Love your neighbor as yourself. In other words, in your exercise of separateness, make sure that you are seeing how your freedom and separateness are affecting your spouse. Would you want to be treated with disregard? Certainly not. Practice the golden rule. And remember, that rule goes both ways. You are free to be separate, but you are also free to be controlling. No one can stop you except yourself. So if you are trying to control your spouse's separateness and freedom with guilt and prohibition, then ask yourself the same question. Would you like to be imprisoned? Well, the answer is obviously no. The golden rule is the best defense against freedom becoming a license to be self-centered. If the golden rule doesn't stop you, maybe fear, the fear of reality, the probable consequences, maybe this will. If you are controlling your spouse's freedom and separateness, you are no longer an object of love. You have become two things that your spouse will rebel against. You have become the master of a slave, and you have become a parent. God never intended for a spouse to be either. If you are a controller, Remember the price you will pay in the end. Your spouse will fight your control to be a free person and an adult. They were made to be an individual, free from control, so that they could freely choose to bring that individuality to you to form a we. If you take away this freedom, there is no longer a two to become one. You have done away with God's design. The oneness will only be an extension of yourself. Also, if you take away this freedom, they will leave that parental function you are providing and cleave to someone else. Children, not adults, were designed to be under guardians and managers. Do not become a parent to your spouse by trying to manage their freedom. You will receive active or passive rebellion in return. Doctors Cloud and Townsend tell us that rebelling against control is the motivation behind many affairs and other problems. The spouse who feels controlled is not mature enough to stand up to control with responsible boundaries, and they act out in an affair to gain a sense of freedom. They find someone who accepts them, or so it feels, in the lie of an affair. The freedom becomes intoxicating, and they fall like a sheep to the slaughter. Proverbs seven twenty-one to 23 reads, With persuasive words she led him astray. She seduced him with her smooth talk. All at once he followed her like an ox going to the slaughter, like a deer stepping into a noose till an arrow pierces his liver, like a bird darting into a snare, little knowing it will cost him his life. Persuasive words are often words of flattery and freedom. Words that give relief to the nagging and guilty feeling of control that a husband or wife is getting at home. Do not become a nagging parent to your spouse. Give freedom and require responsible use of that freedom in the service of love. Well, what brought you together to begin with? Lots of things for sure, and I'm sure some of them are healthy and some of them probably not. But one thing did for certain. God designed relationship to combat the problem he pronounced when Adam was not doing well as a bachelor. It was not good for the man to be alone. God designed human beings with a longing for relationship, with a longing to come together and not go through life alone. We all have this longing. While single people satisfy this longing with friends and relatives, husbands and wives go one step further. They meet part of this longing by finding a life partner. God designed marriage particularly to satisfy this longing for relationship, to give companionship on life's journey. Remember the creation story. Until Eve was created, every living creature, including Adam, was created out of the dust. However, the dust design, as I call it, wasn't going to satisfy God's unique relationship design. Eve was thus created from Adam's rib they were able to have a depth and type of relationship that nothing else in creation could have. This need for companionship must be kept at the forefront of our discussion of freedom. If one of you is controlling, if you restrict your partner's freedom, companionship is destroyed. But beyond that, freedom nourishes separateness, which is in and of itself an undesirable state. Therefore, freedom from each other ironically creates the very longing that will bring you together over and over. You must build freedom into your marriage so that you have enough separateness to desire to come together to solve the problem that separateness creates. This paradox is one of the balancing truths in God's universe. Separateness and togetherness go hand in hand. If you have too much separateness, you have no relationship because you become too disconnected. But if you have no separateness, you also have no relationship because there are no longer two people involved. The need for freedom is part of God's design. So find the right balance between togetherness and freedom for the two of you. Make sure that you have both. Well, thanks for being with us today. I hope you've enjoyed our time together as always, I sure have. God bless you. Have a great weekend. Thank you for listening today. This program is brought to you by Cloverdale Church of God. If you would like to reach Pastor Gary, please email him at PastorGary at CloverdaleCurch dot org. To you know more about the church, go to our website at www.cloverdalechurch.org. Thanks for listening and be blessed.